This episode of Delray Vibe is brought to you by Manumission Tour Company. Explore Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia with Manumission. Manumission Tours is new and locally owned. It curates guided cultural heritage tours designed to highlight Alexandria's extensive African-American history. Freedom's Fight in Alexandria is an inaugural 75-minute guided walking tour on the streets of Old Town. This particular tour gives participants insight into Alexandria's pre-Civil War history of urban slavery and highlights runaway slaves like Oscar and George Ball and abolitionists such as pharmacist Edward Stabler who fought back against the peculiar institution of slavery. Tour times and tickets can be found at the Ramsey House Visitor Center and online at manumissiontours.com. Now let's get started. There are hundreds of media companies in Washington, D.C.'s metro area, but few of them approach the development of media content like Aldo Bello and Marilyn Finnemore, co-founders of Mind and Media in Alexandria, Virginia's Old Town. These longtime residents of Del Rey know that media is merely a vehicle for delivering stories, and the quality of a story is only as good as the state of the person's mind that developed it. In this Del Rey Vibe episode, Aldo and Marilyn talk about how they routinely and strategically make plans to disconnect their minds from D.C.'s fast-paced culture and the stress of Beltway politics. They believe this approach is important to producing quality media that stands up to the competition of the high-stakes marketplace of storytelling that Washington, D.C. is known for as it serves as the world's political epicenter. Welcome to Delray Vibe. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Nice to be here. So let's start with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm finally here, Aldo. You and I have been talking for a while. Absolutely. About, uh, you know, the, the show and coming on the show and a lot of projects that we have. And uh, the good thing about today is it's a two for one. We got the, the M and the M, the mind and the media, the Maryland and the Aldo. That's right. <laughs> so why don't you guys tell me who you are and how did you get here and what is Mind and Media? Uh, Mind and Media is a company that Aldo and I started in about 23 years ago now. And we've been in Alexandria from the very beginning. And we do all kinds of communication campaigns for nonprofits, associations, the federal government, state governments. I have a slightly different tack on that. Um, when we came up with a name for Mind and Media, uh, I was thinking very hard about uh, who we were, both Marilyn and I, right? And I come from a media background, so obviously I became the media in Mind and Media. And Marilyn comes from a rhetoric background. She has got a PhD in English. And one of her specializations is not only rhetoric, but also professional and technical writing. And so she obviously became the mind. And together, we've been able to accomplish great things. And it's been a, a fantastic ride so far. Great. How did you guys meet? We actually met uh, in college. We were um, at Virginia Tech, both of us. And we met through uh, a fraternity, <laughs> which is uh, bizarre because if you actually know us, we, you, you would never think that we would have met at a fraternity because neither one of us was like a big fraternity type of person going to college or a sorority type of person. But we ended up at this um, fraternity called Theta Xi, Beta Omega Chapter at, at Virginia Tech. And uh, we met there. Um, it was... Um, it was fantastic. Um, I, uh, you know, I had known her as a little little sister, and I had talked to her a couple of times. But our fraternity was a social fraternity, so uh, we didn't have a lot of time or quiet spaces during those parties in the weekend to really get to know each other very well. But we ended up got getting to know each other very well when we went to another fraternity's party. They had invited Theta Xi to come over and get to know them. And they were, uh, um, you know, an educational fraternity, right? Uh, and they were 
they had very quiet parties. So I remember that uh, when I saw her, I, 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 I brought her a beer that night and we, we sat there and we talked for the next four hours. And when I looked down at my watch, I had no idea how we had gotten to that point. And I, at that point in time, I knew that I had to ask her out on a date. What did you talk about? Everything, everything from uh, politics to how we grew up to literature to music, everything and why we thought the way we did and why we didn't think about certain other things. And it was absolutely fascinating. How did you think, Marilyn, about the M and the M, the mind and the media, when you were having that before it came to thought? or even during that four-hour conversation? Well, the M&M actually came about uh, quite a few years later uh, when I when Aldo decided that, he, you know, we'd, we'd had several jobs between the two of us. It was very hard for us to work for other people. We had very much our own visions about how we wanted our life to go. And so Aldo decided that we were going to have our own company, and I was very um, excited about that. He's the one who actually came up with the name Mind and Media. It just made sense that it gave us a big um, envelope to do all different types of things because we don't like to stay in lanes. We like to be able to have a lot of flexibility to do all kinds of projects, so it worked really well. So as someone that studied or studies rhetoric with a Ph.D. in English, Yeah. Did you ever think you would enter the world of media? Never crossed my mind. <laughs> what, what has it meant so far to you? It, well, you know, people with the kind of backgrounds that Aldo and I have, the kind of degrees in humanity, and uh, in, in the humanities and the arts, um, coupled with, I've got kind of a, a degree also in business. It was actually, this time is actually built for people like us. Um, it really, truly is. I mean, there is so much that you can do with that kind of background. And the world has gotten so complicated that you really need to have a background that allows you to distill all this information out there so you understand what the heck is going on. And I think this, you know, he and I both have a grounding in the arts, um, which has has come into play in in so many ways in our lives to make our lives really special. Aldo, how about you? You so your background is in broadcast media. My background uh, when I met Marilyn, I was at Virginia Tech getting actually a double degree. I ended up getting a double degree. I I was getting a communications degree with a specialization in film and video production, and I also got an English degree in American literature. Um, and I think uh, that sort of ground floor level uh, understanding of the world through story, through uh, visual storytelling um, was an incredible experience for me. I actually went to Virginia Tech on a pre-med uh, track. Uh, I was actually a biology major, and I did I did well in my SATs, on my, especially in my verbals, which allowed me to actually not have to take, you know, your kind of normal English composition 101 uh, classes, but to take honors courses. So as a freshman at Virginia Tech, I ended up taking a, a course um, by Professor Ansminger, which was called Film and Literature. And believe it or not, I had never thought up until that point in time that I could actually make a career out of being in the visual communications world. And he's the professor that actually opened my eyes to that. And I kind of left behind the idea of being a doctor. I've never looked back and I've never regretted it. It's been a fabulous ride so far. So you, um, you actually bring to the table, Aldo, also some, some of the, like you say, you, you studied literature you bring some of the mind as well, but you're, you're really the media guy here. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I tend to take um, strategy and communication and uh, have an ability to turn it into a, a visual storyline. Marilyn can do the same thing, too. 
but uh, we kind of have these roles that we operate in, in in the company, and it's worked out well so far. She usually takes lead in strategy. I can also help in strategy. I can help anyone in strategy. Uh, but uh, ultimately, uh, I think one of my gifts is to creatively take strategic ideas and implement them into a visual story. Well, I, I would have to believe that what you're doing or what you've done in creating Mind and Media is is correct or at least on the right track because uh, I have a few friends that created a firm in Chicago uh, called Message and Media, AKPD, Message and Media, um, whether it's in the title or it's it's the focus of what they do. And there's other firms that will bring to the table for clients or partners the, the focus on content and media. Yeah. So, Aldo, you and I have talked a lot about this um, and we've talked about new media uh, just six to what eight months ago, yeah. you and I had a brainstorming session in your thinking room here at Mind and Media, right? <laughs> and we talked about everything from uh, BuzzFeed to Washington Post to Ideas America. Tell me a little bit about what we talked about six or eight months ago, or even more. Tell me what we were talking about back then and where we are today. What has happened? Well, I think that you and I, if I remember correctly, we're starting to talk about the 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 influence of a fractured media space in which social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and other platforms of that nature are providing people with information, um, in some cases too much, and in some cases also as has, has become clear lately, a lot of fake information. And um, not only is it the nature of those platforms to provide you with just little bits of information at a time, which I believe fractures your not only attention, which I think there's plenty of research and backing for, but it also doesn't allow you to really complete an entire picture that is a complex and deeper understanding of the world that we live in. Um, and I think um, it's led to further division, in my opinion, through these platforms. And I think it's because of the way that the platforms themselves behave. And so I think we were having a conversation about, uh, you know, how do you go beyond those platforms? How do you ensure that journalism uh, remains true to not only its mission, but that it can fulfill that mission. I think you and I have been talking a lot about how people are absorbing information through these platforms in a way that it's not is not conducive uh, to civics, right? To civic uh, participation, but just conducive in some cases to just like this is my opinion and and here's what I think and. And, and in some cases, you know, harassing other people's opinions. And, and I think we see a lot of that going on today. And, and it's unfortunate. But I think it's, a nature, it's the nature of the platforms. And I think we need to find a way to be able to ex expand, get beyond those platforms to, to places where we can actually have deeper and better conversations, such as in a podcast. So, Marilyn, what does that all mean for, for media? And when we say media, are we, how much of, to, to be able to reach a broad audience throughout Delray and Alexandria, the, the city here in Virginia, uh, when we say media, how much of that is social media? And, and, and taking everything that Aldo just said, is there a problem with media, Marilyn? Like, what are your thoughts on, on what Aldo just said? Um, I think that there is a significant problem with media right now. It is an amazingly powerful force, one that uh, needs to be wielded by people with ethics and integrity. And because it's so powerful to shift people's perceptions. Um, at Mind Media, that's, you know, we use media to inspire people to take action to make the world a better place. I think media is often being used to divide now and to um, fragment and the Aldo is is pointing out you know a lot of a lot of how that's happening I'm frankly very concerned about it I think it is a terrible thing that's happening in our country and 
journalists and folks like Eldo and I have a sacred duty to do our parts to make sure that the information out there, facts out there, are be- is being conveyed in a way that is meaningful, that is accurate, and that actually helps move the country forward. Are you saying that, Marilyn, because of fake news and everything that's happened with the uh, 2016 presidential election? Or yeah. is there more to what, what Aldo has said? I'm saying it because of what's recently happening, but it's been happening for quite a long time. And anyone who's studied rhetoric, as I have, or history, as most people, um, many people have, are very concerned about how rhetoric has been used in the past to cause wars and divides amongst people. Uh, and, and I see it happening again in this country. So, how, Aldo, how much? Yeah, just let me take a, a step back sure. because I think you brought up an interesting point and I think it needs to be clarified. So, uh, there's media with a big M and then there's a media with a little M, right? Um, uh, media with a big M uh, I refer to as sort of the larger conversation taking place in the nation and in the world about uh, civics, about governments and government actions. Um, what uh, countries are, you know, kind of the big M media that affect us, the opinions uh, that are being uh, not only reported on, but then the the um, the facts and opinions being not only being reported on, but also how that trickles down into conversations that people have. Now, Mind and Media, I think is, I'll make a reference to the media in Mind and Media, which is a, a with a little M. And what I mean by that is that we're experts in utilizing media tools to be able to convert messages and ideas into not only visual stories, as I've said before, but also into other forms of uh, communication. Um, and we we don't we're not journalists, just to clarify, and we're not uh, usually. Um, um, involved in media with a big M, we're involved in media with a little M in terms of using the tools to be able to get the messages out that we get out for our clients, be they nonprofit associations or actually federal agencies. So I just wanted to clarify that. Great. Um, thanks, Aldo. Ma- Marilyn, you you brought up a good point. I mean, you study rhetoric and you talk about the power of stories and rhetoric to divide us as as well as possibly at times bring us together as we've seen with civics and the women's march and everything that's happened Um, it's not all bad but um, Tim Ferriss the guy I was telling you about before we started recording this podcast show um, he was just on another podcast uh, with Kara Swisher from Recode Um, it's a website journalistic outlet that covers uh, tech and Silicon Valley and Tim Ferriss is the self-help self-improvement for our work week guru and he said on this just happened just the other day that social media makes us miserable Um, and the the reason why he mentioned this he said because it's kind of converted us in our brains into being more reactive Mm -hmm. instead of proactive Um, and we're losing control of ourselves so this this just happened the other day so uh, aside from fake news and, and the fact that social media has got our brains more reactive and it's got people like Tim Ferriss and others um, thinking that social media is miserable this um, the Atlantic's Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, was on Ezra Klein's podcast and he said that new journalists should give up their Twitter accounts uh, which is pretty bold. And Ezra Klein pushed back on that and said, how could you say that? I mean, we just had a president who was, was elected because of Twitter or his tweeting. Um, and Ta-Nehisi Coates said that he is not even going to write about the election yet because he wants to take it in. He wants to think about it. He wants to analyze it. Uh, and he kind of pushed back on what he called the immedi- immediacy of writing. Uh, everybody want. I mean, we we know that the polls and all the, the analysis was was so wrong, and we got the president that we have today and, and President Trump. So there really is um, a new a new way of thinking. Since you and I met six to eight months ago, 
Although, um, I mean, I know at least I have started to rethink media, uh, especially new media, social media. Um, but it's not just the fake news or the, the immediacy of sharing without thinking uh, or the reactive nature that we now have to always look at our, flip over our iPhone or our, if you have a Samsung <laughs> every, every few minutes. But um, what, do you, what do you think, what are your thoughts on, on this? Like, what, where do you think it's taken us? How bad is it, Marilyn? Well, <clears throat> you know, Twitter, you know, you know if, you, if you can only express a thought in 140 characters, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you can't analyze or think through. I admire that gentleman who is not writing about the elections until afterward because you do need to collect facts. You need to synthesize them. And by actually having the ability to put out quick little sound bites all the time, like Twitter, what it does is encourage, again, that fragmentation of thought and that lack of analysis that is so critical to finding solutions to very complicated problems that we have right now. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, I mean, it's absolutely, well, I love social media myself. I'm on it all the time. I absolutely adore it. But I also know the shadow side, the dark side of it, and how important it is for us to be conscious um, of how how social media can either shape us or we can shape it. <laughs> That's a, it's a great question. I started thinking about this actually about 10 years ago when I saw social media emerge as a, as a powerful platform and as a, a powerful platform that leads to certain kinds of conversations in our society, right? I think that certain social media platforms are great for keeping up with friends, fantastic for that, you know, Facebook especially. Um, and they're called social platforms for a reason, right? Um, but I started calling what people were doing on these social platforms um, in terms of posting little bits of information when it started getting moving in that direction. Uh, oh, here's a little bit of information that you should know about, and it's without context, and it's without a uh, full analysis or a full understanding of what that little bit of information means, I started calling that info snacking. And so we've been, in my opinion, moving into in a direction of info snacking for a long time. I believe that it started also with a 24-hour cable news cycle that needed to fill in those 24 hours of time with little bits of, of information. Uh, constantly being put out and then people would repeat them and then when the social platforms came along years after cable news that got even more uh, not only did it accelerate but the the information got snipped even further and I think it's a it's a terrible trend actually um, I think that we can see some of the results of that um, uh, and in terms of uh, now having uh, a president that uses uh, Twitter and tweets to be able to um, uh, actually put out his news versus what what the journalism entities are doing, and they're all battling in this in these spaces where there are these there are these just tiny little bits of information being thrown around, uh, like I said, without context. And I think it's a dangerous. Uh, it's already been a dangerous precedent, and I'm not exactly sure where it's going to lead. There's there's also um Andrew Sullivan of New York Magazine, he recently, um, he, he found himself constantly needing to update a blog that he was running as a journalist, and it overtook his life because there, there's this vicious circle of what you call info snacking. And, and he said that he went to his doctor, and although he w made a blog profitable but he he gave up his life and the doctor said to him uh do you really want to die from a, a website after having survived hiv aids and uh he called it virtual living i mean he was glued to a screen never stopping always updating and it really became an addiction where he said i'm giving up my blog and he had over a hundred thousand visits uh per day so that's Andrew Sullivan. So 
I mean, you 10 years ago, Aldo, were, were forecasting this phenomenon that you call info snacking, where you need that little bit of information uh, every, God, every minute, every two minutes, every 10 minutes, whatever it may be. Do, do you see, are you, are you hopeful that it may subside? You know, we're having this conversation right now, which I find uh, not only uber interesting, right? But um, I think this this conversation is taking place in other places. You know, I think people are starting to wonder um, what is the ultimate purpose uh, of all these little bits of information floating around. How do we make sense of it? How do we use information and turn it into knowledgeable action, which can which can turn into um, people? getting back to actual civics to do better for their communities, right? So how do you take little bits of information that you then turn into a more complex understanding, which turns into knowledgeable action, which then turns into steps that people can take to actually help their communities and their localities and their own lives and, and, and to make them better? Because I think we've been sort of frozen in time for the last decade or a couple of decades where there were there are some uh you know there has been a lot of activity and progress moving forward in terms of uh dealing with issues but i think that a lot of people were just happy with hitting like on facebook or or you know what i call clicktivism i think that that's a term that is not unique to myself but um you know sign this petition and so they would you know sign up and they think that that that's what really uh is is doing something and i and i don't mind people supporting uh a petition or hitting like on something that they like on facebook but if you're really serious about doing something in, in your community and your locality you need to go beyond that and you actually need to be involved on the ground at the grassroots level like Marilyn says we've seen uh, a proliferation of fake news at probably at a time than we when we as a nation civically did not need that um, we're this conversation has started in other circles like you say mm -hmm. Aldo mm -hmm. but for you to say that we've been frozen in time for the last 10 years I think you said that's a that's a that's a statement that's quite a statement what does it mean for the future of media do we know where we're going um, I'm not sure. I think the first step right now is to have these conversations about what the future of media is all about, um, since it has such a large influence in our society and the world in general. Um, and I do hear the conversations now starting, right? So there are some um, interesting people having, you know, thinking about these things. I mean, 10 years ago, I even took the step of actually, maybe slightly less than 10 years ago, but I took the step of actually uh, unplugging from uh, 24-hour cable news. I just didn't like the cycle. Um, I thought that it was meaningless a lot of the time. Um, I didn't think that it led to a more profound understanding of my locality, my community, uh, and then further on up uh, the nation and the world. And um, I I would rather um, dig deep into uh, a particular issue to try to understand it better and and have the time to be able to think about it and and seek resources that help me to do that and for you to be able to do that you you need to unplug in my opinion from the constant barrage of info snacking that is happening today. So I know I know Marilyn wants to say something, but I have a question for you also, Marilyn, which you can add on to whatever you're gonna follow up on um so aldo brought up a good point this is not only a, a problem with social media or info snacking but also cable news media um why what what's what's happening uh are there similarities between social media and cable news uh, yeah i mean this is this has been coming for a long time it hasn't Social media is just the latest iteration of it, but how many people have been glued to their television for decades? And um, Aldo's uh, statement about getting unplugged couldn't be more on target. We a you actually have to now be, s be very conscious of what's happening 
to you. I mean, if you, if you spend all day in front of your computer and then you come home and you plop down in front of another computer or in front of another screen, a television set or whatever, and just fill your head with info snacking and the barrage of information, inf information pieces, without giving yourself time to ponder, reflect, you know, walk in the woods, get away from it, you're doing yourself a tremendous disservice. And I think that that's where a lot of the stress in our society is coming from too, because people are so overwhelmed with, you know, sitting in front of a screen and, and being barraged with information. We have to be super conscious about that and make time to unplug. And we, Eldo and I, do it religiously. So um, speaking of Tim Ferriss, he, he has a podcast. And uh, he recently had uh, someone on named Brene Brown. She just wrote a book called Rising Strong. It has nothing to do with media but um, at the end of every interview that Ted Fer Tim Ferriss does, he'll say to his guests, uh, he'll pose the same question. If you could put up a billboard anywhere in the world, where would you put it and what would it say? So Brene Brown says, I'd put it in Washington, D.C., and it would say, slow the fuck down. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, it's appropriate for everything you've been saying, although, I mean, you're, you're putting a strong emphasis, and I would imagine um, it's not only because we live in Washington, D.C., but you're putting an emphasis on civics. Yes. Um, and what, is, what has happened recently with our nation? But you guys seem really good at slowing down. Yes. Why? Yeah. Um, I actually can't take credit for that. I can only take credit for the, hey, unplug from the, you know, 24-hour news cycle and, uh, and uh, as much social media as, as there is. We still participate in all of that, right? I mean, we're still media people. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of strange to hear a media person say unplug from the media, but it's such a pervasive and constant in our, uh, in our society. It's, it's, it's so present all the time that you need to actually consciously unplug from it and and actually the person that's led the way in terms of doing other things and and doing other things with your time that help you to um achieve um calm and groundedness uh to be able to not only think about your life but um, other other things things is, is actually Marilyn. She's, she's actually the one that's led the way on that. And, and I'm very grateful for that. So not only is it strange that as media people that, uh, you say you got to unplug and you got to take time and you got to slow the F down. Um, but I mean, let's be honest, minded media is a company. You offer a service to clients, like you mentioned, Marilyn, the federal government, or we, we live in a city um, if you were to compare Washington, D.C. to middle America, I would be willing to bet that Washington, D.C. is probably faster than most parts of the United States. Maybe not as fast as New York City, but it's fast. And not only is it strange to use your word, Aldo, but I imagine your listeners, which could be some of your clients or partners, might be thinking that, wow, he's they're suggesting that we unplug that we slow down but i i feel guilty disconnecting to connect um i might get fired <laughs> i might you know i might not be able to compete with others so so what would you say to that i would say that's exactly a lot i feel the same way i mean you do have to stay connected people expect you to be connected we expect our employees to be connected that doesn't mean that you can't do both things though you can be connected for a good percentage of the time, but you have to have times where you're not. Aldo and I just came back from a trip to the Amazon. It was the first time in 10 years that we have not been connected to the internet. We couldn't be. We went deep two days and days into the Amazon. There was no internet connection. It was glorious. It was the first, now we, we always go off on adventures. I mean, we're always out hiking every weekend and we're riding horses or we're um, going, you know, we go to several different countries a year to really kind of unplug from the day-to-day -day news and that sort of thing. But we still had our phones with us and we still were able to get on Facebook and that sort of thing. But this was the first time in a decade that we couldn't. 
And boy, um, it made me realize that I need to do that a whole heck of a lot more often. It was great. What are, what are your clients and friends saying about that trip? Well, they always think crazy about stuff like this, but I think at the same time they're quite um, attracted to it. I think people do are looking for ways of getting more grounded and connected back to themselves and to the to the world and to you know just their communities and um, the social media is wonderful as it is and all this information is wonderful as it is it gets in the way of that and you you have to find ways around it so what is this whether it be going to the Amazon or and when I say you guys seem really good at slowing down you just look at a few pictures on your without info snacking <laughs> look at a few pictures on your Facebook and you'll see that you not only have gone to the Amazon but you faithfully hike and and connect with nature rather than your than your phone kayaking w- what does that mean um, if 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 clients and friends shouldn't feel guilty and that we, we do need as individuals to find a way to let's say disconnect to connect what does it mean for business and media? What does it mean for, although you're mentioning civics, what does it mean for, for politics and government? Is it important? Is it part of the, the, the a business strategy or Absolutely. civics? Absolutely. Uh, Marilyn and I have always had the philosophy at Mind Media that uh, you need time by disconnecting from the day-to-day grind uh, and the demands of the job to sit back absorb, think through what you're going to do next, and then reconnect. So that downtime actually has a purpose. It's very distinctly deliberate. It's time that allows you to process ideas. It allows you to understand what the next step is that you're going to uh, put into action. And it gives you actually more, it makes you more productive and it gives you more speed when you're ready to sit down and actually produce. So we're a company that starts out with ideas uh, and those ideas um, are talked about at length with the client and we talk about, since we're a communications company, we talk about things like what is the message? Who is it going to affect? What kind of an audience are we going to reach? Which channels are we going to use, etc.? But then the next step has to be crafting those messages and those ideas need to turn into something, usually written. And then after that, it needs to turn into something else, which is usually uh, media. Uh, so we u- utilize media tools to do videos, to create and craft websites in all of those steps there should be downtime and we insist on it with our with our employees uh, to be able to ponder and think about what the next step ought to be and you need time to do that the brain (laughs) itself as a physical thing just needs time in order to not only absorb information first but then what am I gonna do with that information how am I gonna best position it? How am I going to best serve our clients? Uh, because we want to position these messages for the intended audience in X way, right? Um, and we actually insist uh, to, our em- to our employees that they need downtime. They need rest time because we think it actually makes them more productive and services our clients better. And we've prove that over and over and over again with a small staff we're not a very large company but the people here understand the culture and they understand that we we appreciate the fact that they go home at the end of the day they go and do other things not mine and media because we want them to come back the next day fresh to be able to put their minds to work on work, actual work. And for that to be as effective and productive as possible, you do need downtime. I remember um, maybe a year ago or more, I was uh, as a business mentor for SCORE at the U.S. Small Business Administration. And many small businesses were, that was the most popular workshop. 
and the professor who would teach social media basically for small business marketing would present all of the platforms all the social platforms um, and this person presenting this professor she would overwhelm the new the startups or the mom and pop companies that are looking to take their uh, marketing online and and she was saying that you need to tweet X amount of days you need to post to Pinterest X amount per day you need to post to Facebook and I was thinking a year ago wow that's that's wrong and and I think even more today if I thought it was wrong then just listening to both of you today I mean that's really wrong so now Aldo you're the um, recently uh, assigned congratulations again the the chair of the marketing and communications committee of the Alexandria Chamber of Commerce there's a lot of small businesses there's a lot of companies that need to get their voice out to get their message out to get their products and services to be known I don't imagine you'd say to them tweet as much as you can post as much as you can on Facebook in this new um, discussion of slowing down and, and disconnecting to connect what what advice would you give to the to the businesses and the chamber and through the chamber that's a really interesting question um, yeah I think that um, I think that the way to be able to use social media is to try and reach out to an audience with what is your business philosophy and culture it gets you a step closer to a genuine voice that speaks to what your business is all about and and gen genuineness in terms of social media is is very prized and because it's effective and because it works well right um, and I would urge businesses to to spend time finding what that voice is so, so that they use social media effectively but I would not <laughs> say that you have to tweet X many times a day or post on Facebook X many times a day I would I would insist that uh, a good post that represents who your company is and what your philosophy and culture is is far more effective and better for you as a company than constantly having to be forced by some uh, manual somewhere to tweet X many times a day or post X many times a day on Facebook. We do very little of it, actually, at Minor Media. Um, and most of our clients know who we are. They've gotten to know us. Building on that, Aldo, um, finding your voice, finding your business philosophy, I don't imagine you can do that in 140 characters or in a short Facebook post. Although, if you think it through, uh, either on a hike or somewhere kayaking, tell us... Um, Maryland where where would be good for uh, either small business owners or people that work in government in the DC metro area where would be a good place to go where have you guys gone I, I, I said I started this by saying you guys seem really good at slowing down um, well it's funny because Elder says we don't use a lot of social media for money media and that, that's true but what we do use a lot of social media for is for us ourselves personally because people know they work with who they know and they work with who they like and they work with who is genuine and connected and so sometimes it's easier to give yourself I mean to speak f as yourself although a lot of our clients are our friends on social media um, and what what I always try to do with my Facebook feed is to share um, you know, where, you know, our hikes, pictures of our hikes, pictures of our adventures, we go all over the world, um, very positive thoughts, um, very, very helpful information, uh, things that are not divisive, but actually are helpful. Aldo has gotten into the habit of posting Zen minutes as a way of um, showing people how to slow down. So, you know, just instead of taking a selfie of yourself in front of a a cliff or something a cliff that you've just hiked he actually gets down on his knees and takes pictures of water dripping through the ice quietly quietly for like five minutes and posts that on Facebook to get people to think and slow down and he's had enormously positive response to that you know um, I'm always encouraging people through my posts to get up 
and get out and see our amazing parks and and all of the things that are free right outside of your door if you get away from the screen. Um, and we've had a lot of really nice positive reaction to all of that and built a lot of friendships as a result. Well, let me say um, I could vouch firsthand for Aldo's Zen minutes or Zen moments, and he's done nothing but frustrate me because I want to go and find that place where the, <laughs> the leaf is under the ice and the water is... Uh, they're very beautiful shots, and, and they're videos. Yeah, so, they are. But tell us, for all this stressed out, overworked, inside the Beltway people, what are the best places to go to? What's your favorite place to just get away and connect? Well, let me describe something. Um, in 2001, uh, because Marilyn is an um, avid horse rider, we decided to get a home in Loudoun County, in Purcellville, actually. And I think that one of the most remarkable things that happened to me as I traveled back and forth between Purcellville and Alexandria was this. As soon as you're past Dulles and you are on the Greenway, it took me, it took me actually about six months to actually get this, right? But I was getting this physically. You've referred to the stress of DC and the pace. It is actually a physical thing. So that I didn't know what was happening to me when I got beyond Dulles on the Greenway at first. And then by the time you get to Leesburg in Route 7 off of the Greenway at the end of that, I had felt, I was feeling like I was decompressing, physically decompressing. That's how much energy there is in the DC area and how clear physically it is that you're leaving that area and you're going to a more rural part of Virginia. And I just, I love Loudoun County um, and uh, beyond Clark County and, and Frederick where Winchester is, all of those areas. I, there are so many hikes. The Appalachian Trail comes right through between Clark and Loudoun. And in Virginia, uh, the AP is, uh, it, the AT is uh, probably the be most beautiful segment of, of the Appalachian Trail. And we have hiked uh, a lot of it. Uh, I would highly recommend hiking uh, the, the AT. Um, and also uh, the CNO, uh, that's a, it's a beautiful hike uh, along the Potomac River. CNO uh, is, for people that don't know? Uh, the Chesapeake and Ohio uh, Canal, right? Uh, and that runs along the Potomac. The AT is the Appalachian Trail and it runs from Florida to Maine. Great, how about you, how about you Marilyn? What's your favorite? Oh, my Cause God. Because you're, you're a writer, so where have you gotten that epiphany um the epiphany that i've had is just how blessed we are in the washington dc area with natural riches um even washington dc itself i went down to rock creek park you can get amazing amounts of decompression in rock creek park and so many places along the rivers whether it's the potomac river or the anacostia river it's just simply amazing and people just don't even know what we have you within within an hour of Washington D.C., we've got magnificent parks in Maryland. Um, uh, Little Bennett is is I think four thousand acres. It's laced with magnificent trails. Just just um, off just up to seventy. Um, you you've got um, the most magnificent Shenandoah National Park is like a jet that we've traveled all around the world, and there's no more beautiful place in the world than Shenandoah National Park. Yeah. Um, with just intricate trails, and it's wonderful. Do you know, since we've decided to really start, you know, going to all different sorts of hikes in the last two years, we've we've gone to 200 unique hikes, and we haven't even touched the list. Yeah, that's how much we have here, and and it's all free. It's all free. Yeah, when you're at Little Bennett, in it's it's uh, right next to. Uh, what is, I'm sorry, what is the community in Maryland? Gaithersburg? You're about a, a five minute, maybe even less drive from Gaithersburg, and it feels like you are 
in the middle of nowhere. It's amazing. And then there's actually a, a series of parks next to Gaithersburg that are just gorgeous, beautiful. It's not every day that you one speaks to a PhD in English, so I'm going to take advantage and mm. consult you. You're helping me as well, and I hope through me, the listeners of, of Delray Vive. Um, if you write, let's say, five pieces a week, how much of those five pieces need some time to disconnect, decompress, to slow down? Well, anyone, any, any of those five pieces that are going to be any good, all, they all need that. Yeah, th and the reason why I ask this is um, I, I'll speak for myself, I often beat up on myself and say I should be writing more. And I look at these other people that may be bad examples, even writers for our local Washington Post. You know, they really pump out a lot of... Or or people that work for politicians, like I have in the past. I mean, just the other day, um, a congressman said, I've done seven op-eds. Why can't I get out there? Well, I think to myself, how have you gotten seven op-eds? Because if I were to write seven op-eds, I can get them out. But they wouldn't be to the level of personal satisfaction. I wouldn't be happy with them. So if you have to service, let's say, three to five clients a week... Um, I, I kind of see myself like you. I need to get away and think before I put the pencil to the paper. So if we could kind of give a frame to our listeners, um, you know, how much of the deconnecting needs to happen to actually really write something that's of good quality. Because we're talking about quality, not quantity, right? Yeah, we are. Um, you know... I think that writing is a practice and a discipline. And the more you write, the faster you are, which is going back to what you were talking about with that gentleman that writes all the op-eds. He's probably, he, he's enormously skilled at writing and writing fast. I would be very interested in looking at his process because most writers can't just sit down at a desk and crank stuff out. What they do is they get up and they'll walk around the block and let their brain rest. They'll go and sit and have a cup of coffee and their brain is resting. They may not even be thinking about it, but then they'll come back and they can just crank it out as, as if they're channeling something because their brain has had a chance to rest. Okay, so you might, you know, you I think that they, the good writers, and every writer I know builds in those moments of rest all day long. You, some people always say that it doesn't look like they're doing anything. They're just walking around. No, their brain is resting. And, a, a, and you're letting the problem work in the background. So what's your process? Um, yeah, I... Where do you get your coffee? <laughs> I am, I'm always... I do things in short spurts. I have a to-do list. Every I follow a to-do list but I allow myself I, I listen to what my brain needs at the moment and what I physically need and mentally and spiritually need at the moment and I that's what I work on I always get everything done but I I go with my flow the flow I take I walk to work every day two miles to work I walk two miles home every day I walk to do errands so I'm always phys I'm very physically active and while I walk my brain is resting I'm not using my phone while I'm walking well mostly I don't um, and I'm, I'm just allowing my brain to think I wake up early in the morning five o'clock um, I don't I, tr I try not to get on Facebook or email right away I sit I meditate um, I, I let my brain feel good about moving into the day and then I jump in and and I try not to sit for more than about an hour at a time without getting up and moving about and resting what um what's harder for you getting started on writing or f or finishing like how do you how do you begin to write a story or, or copy um, well, I, I write, for instance, I write stories about all of our trips that we've done. I'm writing the story about the Amazon right now. This is not for my, our clients. Well, I give those away to our clients, but I don't do it to make money. It's just something I do because memory is very important to me. The way that process works is I have to experience it first, and I let myself truly 
experience whatever I'm going to write about, really get into it, immerse myself in the situation. Then for about a week after the experience, I let my brain rest and process what I, that whole amazing thing that I just experienced. Then I start outlining and I start writing pieces over about, um, I, I'll write pieces of the trip over about a, a month. And, and I always finish the book within like six weeks after I came back. I've written about 20 of these narratives of our trips and our adventures. It's very important to me to do that. Um, it's just my own personal discipline. But I, if, if somebody asked me to sit down and write about that trip immediately after I had experienced it, there's no way. Because I haven't processed it. I've seen a million new things. I don't really understand what I've seen. I sit back, I think about it, and I do some research on what I've seen. You know, we went to Slovakia and hiked across Slovakia last summer. Half the stuff I saw, I did not know really what I was looking at or what the history was um, until I came back and really started looking at my pictures and started doing some research. And then, then the story emerges from that. So, yeah. One, to, to bring this back to politics, Aldo, um, David Axelrod has a podcast, and he'll he often talk. I mean, obviously, he talks about the election 2016, but he brings it back to the days of what he calls the boys on the bus, which was a, a famous book. But um, addressing quality versus quantity, and and what we got wrong, like I mentioned, Tanahasi Coates says, I, I don't even want to write about the election. Yet. Right. I want to process it. Right. But David Axelrod, and anyone who's interested in this, could Google. He always uses David Broder, the days of David yeah. journalist David Broder, yeah. uh, where they would go to states or counties and actually talk to voters yes. rather than just looking at data sets or, or, or polling. Um, so it's a, it's a conversation that's happening at the level of mind and media, but also at politics and civics because this fast-paced economy we live in is, is obviously affecting our politics and our I want to mention um, uh, an, an op-ed that just came out in the New York Times, and it's entitled, uh, Quit Social Media Because Your Career Depends on It. <laughs> and, uh, and we can end with this. I, I appreciate your, your time, and I know I've kept, it, kept you later than, than I said, but this professor, his name is Cal Newport, and he's uh, an associate professor of computer science at Georgetown right here. He, he wrote a book called Deep Work, Rules for Focus, Success in a Distracted World. Mm. And there's two uh, sentences here that are, uh, and they're, they're a little long, but I want to read them to you and just get your reactions. So he says, consider that the ability to concentrate without distraction on hard tasks is becoming increasingly valuable in an increasingly complicated economy. Social media weakens this skill because it's engineered to be addictive. The more you use social media and the way it's designed to be used persistently throughout your waking hours, the more your brain learns to crave a quick hit of stimulus at the slightest hint of boredom. And then he continues and says, once this Pavlovian connection is solidified, it becomes hard to give difficult tasks the unbroken concentration they require. And your brain simply won't tolerate such a long period without a fix. Indeed, part of my own rejection of social media comes from this fear that these services will diminish my ability to concentrate, the skill on which I make my living. And, and I, I can't speak to addiction. I'm not an expert, right? But people should be wary of that aspect of it. And if they understand that it can lead to that, I don't think it's a black and white issue of either connecting all the time or disconnecting. I think it's a consciousness that you have to bring to what you're doing um, so that you go to social media, your Facebook page, for instance, just to find out what your friends are doing, et cetera, or maybe have a little conversation, which you would do in in another environment, let's say when you would pick up a phone and call <laughs> call somebody, which I still, you know, I still do plenty. Um, but those little activities, I think you can still it's still have them, 
uh, I enjoy post posting, for instance, the uh, Zen moments that I do so that people can enjoy that, that little bit. Uh, but people should be aware that that one Zen moment is in is, is you know floating around in a sea of other moments, and they should be aware that that's what they're dipping into. They're dipping into this very fractioned and piecemeal sort of sea of information floating around, and they should be very conscious of what they're doing at that moment. I think you can you can reach that consciousness. You can uh, you know you can manage it. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think it, w it would be a matter of black and white or of connecting or disconnecting. I think if you're conscious about how you're using it and you approach it that way, then then I think that you've got a leg up on the on on social media and you use it instead of it using you, uh, which is a there's a difference in attitude there and a difference in approach. Reactions? Yeah, I, I just want to say that 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 what you read is. <laughs> I can understand exactly what that gentleman is talking about because it does uh, make it more difficult to sit and focus. That's why you do have to be conscious. That's why you must give your mind a chance to breathe and rest, whether you're in, you know, you're, you, whether you're working in media or not. All of us need to do that, especially those of us who live in Washington, D.C., are under so much stress all the time. So important. I think that's hopeful, uh, Aldo. Um, it's not black or white. It's not a question of connecting or disconnecting. It's finding a way to disconnect sometimes and, and to connect with your own thoughts, to be able to write, to be able to produce. Uh, Absolutely, From yeah. the mind for, for media. Yeah. So where do you see this going? Could we, are, we, are we hopeful? Are you hopeful? I remain hopeful um, despite what some of the things that we have seen in the civic space or the political space or, um, you know, at the same time that uh, we have some negative things going on in the world, we also have some positive things going on in the world people can find out through social media. But I think that, again, remaining conscious of what it is that you're doing, how you're utilizing social media, that's just the first step. Uh, you need to take the, the, the next step if you really want to understand something uh, and you really want to understand an issue and, and delve deeper into the complexity of the issues that we're dealing with today. And I'm hoping that because these conversations are taking place around the nation and around the world about what fake news is, how to deal with fake news, how to deal with information in general, how to understand it, how to analyze it, how to use it, uh, like I said, taking knowledgeable action, you know, that next step, how to use it in your own life, in, in your locality, in your community. I'm very hopeful that these conversations will lead to changes in how people approach not only social media, but also how they utilize the, the information ultimately to better their own lives and those of their communities. That's, that's what I hope will happen. I think to, to empathize with America or even beyond, I would think that most Americans in middle America or even as far as the West Coast would say it's great that these conversations are like Aldo says, not only happening, but happening inside the Beltway, which is where we are. Um, Alexandria, Virginia is very close to D.C., and a lot of people here are part of the fast-paced culture. But like both of you have said, there's so much natural wealth. There's so many uh, resources, so many assets that exist throughout uh, northern Virginia or southern Maryland, where you can get away to really connect and produce quality, quality media, quality content. So, you guys are an inspiration. Um, we've seen it through social media. They've really um, shown us that uh, you know how to get to the Amazon or get to the Shenandoah and uh, disconnect to connect and, and slow down to make life and, and business and, and everything that we do more meaningful. So thank you for this uh, time. Thank you for being on Delray Vibe. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that that last word that you used, more meaningful, is exactly the point. And thanks for having us. Great. Thank you, guys. If you have any story ideas, ideas for guests that should be on Delray Vibe, or even comments on how we can make the podcast show better, just let us know by messaging us on Facebook or Twitter.
This episode of Delray Vibe is brought to you by Manumission Tour Company. Special thanks to Manumission Tour Company. Our sponsors help keep Delray Vibe going. For Delray Vibe, this is yours truly, John R. Gakin Jr., this podcast show's host and founder. Delray Vibe is produced with the help of Roman Sid, with creative design and his good friendship. Vivian Nunez with her skillful photography and love. Jose Gregorio Cabrera for his tutelage and insight. Gail Todson Reuter for helping ignite this creation on day one. And Kevin MacLeod for musical composition. Until next time, this is Del Rey Vibe.